Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and let's get right into Welcome to My Mind Mare. So, of course, the thing I've been talking about a lot lately is Evercon. It's coming. It's getting closer. And uh, as um, as we record today, we have less than three months until Evercon. So, it's coming up quick. It's coming up fast. Um, again, pre-reg badges are open. Um, volunteering for either running something or... Um, volunteering just to help out at the con. That's all up there, ready to go. We got a lot of cool things you can get by, you know, uh, getting out there and actually trying, uh, running the game. You can win prizes, plus you can earn your badge back. Same with volunteering. You can you can uh, earn your badge back if you volunteer enough hours for the weekend. You know, just go out to uh, evercon.org and uh, take a look around. It's, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. We got a lot of special guests lined up. Um, we've got, um, we've got games are starting to come in. We've got people pre-regged. We've got the vendor hall is getting very close to full at this point. So all these things make, you know, make for a con. So you got to get out there, uh, you know, and enjoy it. Come, come enjoy the con. And, uh, you know, all we can say is each year that we get more people in, the bigger the con gets, the more fun that's available at the con year after year. Now, last year, we had um, over 1,200 unique people that came to the con, and we held it in a school. This year, we're in a convention center, um, so we've got plenty of room. We've got plenty of things to do, um, and as we get closer, more and more things will pop up. So, like I said, go out, check it out, and, and come and join us. It'll be, uh, it'll be a great time, and I'm going to bring our guest in here a little bit, and I'm kind of going to put him on the spot. Do you know yet, Al, if you're coming down, if you're going to, going to come down and run a little something, something? I'm hoping to. It's just like I said, with I I really haven't had a chance to look my schedule that far ahead. I want to. I just haven't. I know. It's it's, it's January in northern Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, where, no. Yeah, and the other thing is you never know. It might be you know, freezing cold, but that's about it. Or it might be cold and snowy and we might have a, a full blizzard. So, <laughs> or it might be 40 degrees. This is Wisconsin after all. <laughs> it it might even be 80 degrees. You never know. Well, I've never seen that. I have seen 40 degrees in the middle of January followed by, you know, minus 40. So, uh, yes. Gotta love Wisconsin's weather. Um, so anyway, um, next point in Welcome to My Mind Mare is Game Hole Con, and as of the day this drops, it uh, it is about a week away. <laughs> you said hole. <laughs> I Sorry. did say hole. Yeah. Um, You've actually... For you, uh, unfortunately for you, Al, I did put the word game in front of it, so... No. Well, um, you, you I still suppose, said hole. 
Yes, I, I suppose game in front of hole is better than ass in front of hole. Yes, that is true. <laughs> so anyway, um, Game Hole Con, at the point that this drops, will be um, a week away. I'm looking forward to it. I've got all my stuff lined up already. I've got my volunteer hours lined up. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to cut a, put a little damage back into my pocket from the $95 I, I you know shelled out to do this. Um, because I went big and I got the, uh, VIG package, um, which gets you a free T, well, I suppose it's not free, but it gets you a t-shirt, it gets you a set of dice, it gets you early registration for games and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, at this point it's, it's too late to get the VIG, but you can still go out there. I think at this point you should still be able to buy a badge. You'll probably have to pick it up on site, but um, I was I went to Game Hole last year. It was a lot of fun. It was a great time. So, you know, if if you got nothing going on next weekend, go check it out. These guys are great. Um, and then the third thing that's on my mind with us being this close to Halloween is well, Halloween. I'm a big fan. Al, you a fan? Of course, everyone loves Halloween. I love Halloween. Unfortunately, this year for work, I will be traveling on Halloween. So I don't get to see all the little ghosts and goblins that come up to our door to get candy, but hopefully my wife will not only handle candy, but maybe have a camera ready and take a few snapshots. Cause I mean, it's nice to get all ages, but those, those little kids, the little ladybugs, the little supermans, the little, you know, oh, yeah. army guys, those are the ones that, you know, I want to see. So for me, I mean, that's, that's what Halloween is about, but, um, all right, so let's get into uh, today in history. Now, from last episode, you will remember that I'm kind of switching this up. And I used to do this week in history. And then last episode, I said I'm still going to call it this week in history. But I'm just going to do this day in history. So for today, our segment, uh, today in history, which, of course, comes from www.history.com slash this day in history. We have October 28th, 1962. The Cuban Missile Crisis comes to an end. The Cuban Missile Crisis comes to a close as Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev agrees to remove Russian missiles from Cuba in exchange for a promise from the United States to respect Cuba's territorial sovereignty. This ended nearly two weeks of anxiety and tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union that came close to provoking a nuclear conflict. The consequences of a crisis were many and varied. Relations between Cuba and the Soviet Union were on shaky ground for some time after Khrushchev's removal of the missiles, as Fidel Castro accused the Russians of backing down from the Americans and deserting the Cuban Revolution. European allies of the United States were also angered, not because of the U.S. stance during the crisis, but because the Kennedy administration kept them virtually in the dark about negotiations that might have led to an atomic war. Inside the Soviet Union, hardliners were appalled at Khrushchev's withdrawal of the weapons. Two years later, in 1964, Leonid Brezhnev and Alexei Kosygin, I'm probably killing those names, but that's what I'm going to go with, pushed for him or pushed him from power and proceeded to lead the Soviet Union on a massive military buildup. There was perhaps one positive aspect of the crisis. Having gone to the edge of what President Kennedy Kennedy referred to as the abyss of destruction, cooler heads in both nations initiated steps to begin some control over nuclear weapons. 
Less than a year after the crisis ended, the United States and Soviet Union signed an agreement to end above-ground testing. In 1968, both nations signed a non-proliferation treaty. All right, so it's a, it was a short little thing this this uh, this time, but um, now I'm not old enough to remember this. I know Al, you're not old enough to remember this, but my parents remember this. And when I was a kid, and right about the time that um, President uh, Reagan got into power, I remember my dad talking to my uncles about this and how close we had come to nuclear war. And then to follow, you know, the Reagan administration through to the fall of the Berlin Wall and actually with the end of communism in Russia um, is actually kind of a, a neat thing. I mean, I wasn't there for the beginning of the whole thing, but, you know, it's kind of neat to watch history. And that's why I'm a history guy. That's why there's a history segment in this in this show. Um, and probably any show I ever do will have some sort of a history um segment to it, whether it's actual history or whether it's, you know, uh, discussing history with somebody. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I mean, and I remember back when I was in high school, we did watch this movie called the missiles of October, which was about the, the Cuban missile crisis and the, um, and the, it, it focused mostly on the interactions between, uh, Khrushchev and and Kennedy. So it was a fascinating movie. And actually, there is some st- stuff about the Cold War I do remember. Uh, some of, If you've ever listened to my uh, Geekery in General podcast, several episodes back, I think it was like in the 60s, I did an episode called Cold War Campaigning, okay. where I talked about some ideas to run a campaign in the Cold War. But uh, my near my quiet little town in New Berlin, on the outer outskirts of it, there was a place that my mom always told me was called Missile Park. And the reason is because during the Cold War, that was a place where there was a, a Nike missile base. So okay. it was part of a ring of of missile bases that were set up around Milwaukee to protect the city in case the Russians attacked and you know, tried to bomb us. Well, and, so, you know, it was a big thing in the 50s. I mean, we've all seen it in the movies and everything where everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people built bunkers in their backyards. And you see these every once in a while. I don't know if you ever watch these, you know, remod- home remodeling shows or anything like that. But every once in a while, you'll find somebody will be looking at a house and they're like, oh, and there's a bunker in the backyard. And, you know, it kind of throws you back into that Cold War feel all of a sudden. And, Older buildings, if you go into them, they have these big signs that say bomb shelter, you know, in the basement. Yeah, uh, the high school churches. I used to go to. Yeah, the high school I used to go to, by the locker rooms, there was the nuclear fallout shelter signs. Yep. So yep. I'm not sure if they're still there. But I, when you mentioned the Cold War, that's just what I thought was kind of fascinating about it. Because, um, I mean, I remember that movie from uh, from high school and then also... Like I said, there was there used to be a missile base on the outskirts of my town, and I mean New Berlin, Wisconsin, is just this quiet little town, and you know not really much there. So it's kind of hard to believe that you know there used to be this missile base there. Right now, the only thing that's left is there. I know there was a guard shack by the the road that was entering into okay. it. I know they tore just about everything else down, but I don't know. Maybe I'll someday I'll look on Google Earth and see if there's if they 
you can still see what's there. I mean, I think they tore most of it down, but I'm sorry, just when you mentioned Cold War, that's what I, uh, what I, what I started thinking about because, you know, and we can only really understand the earlier parts, like during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, through the eyes of like, you know, parents or uh, movies or media because we were too young or in some cases we weren't born yet. Um, But it was a time of, yeah, a lot of paranoia because, you know, there was the propaganda films about, you know, you never know when if your next door neighbor is really dun-dun-dun a communist. Well, you know, and Wisconsin has a little bit of history in there too with uh, Senator McCarthy and his, oh, yeah. his witch hunt for communists in the government, you know, and, and, um, you know, he was from Wisconsin. Um, and I'm sure he was doing what he thought was, you know, the right thing at the time. But I mean, I don't think he shook any communist out of the government at the time. I mean, a lot of people, he, he's, he smeared a lot of people's names, but he didn't really accomplish anything, you know? Yeah. Cause I remember we also had a, Another movie we watched when we were studying the Cold War and social studies is, I, I, I don't remember the name of it, but it starred Robert Redford, and they had it talked about this thing called the Hollywood Blacklist, where again, McCarthy oh. and a lot of these, um, you know, some of these communist witch hunters, well, for lack of a better term, they felt that you know, Hollywood was secretly involved in making communist propaganda films. And so they had this blacklist. And if your name was on it, your career was pretty much shot. Yeah, because nobody nobody dared put you in a movie because, well, you're on the list. Exactly. And um, Robert Redford's character, I think he he was uh, actually a radio personality or TV. He wasn't really a, a, a movie star or anything. Okay. But his name was on the list, and so it talked about, you know, it was about some of the trip trials you know, and I, tribulations he went I through. I want to say it's actually called The Blacklist. But Okay, I'll have to look it up. I'm sure there's Robert Redford's uh, filmography yeah. out there. But uh, but do you know, there was, there was somebody very famous that was on The Blacklist. Um, any ideas who it might be? Uh, connected with politics, actually. I'll give you a hint. Hmm. No, not nothing. Drawing a blank. Who? Uh, Nancy Reagan. Really? Yes. Um, that's how she met Ronald. Actually, she wasn't Nancy Reagan at the time. I forget what her uh, her maiden name was, but she was she was you know a a B list type movie star. She got blacklisted, and Ronald Reagan at the time was head of the uh, of the SAG. Yep. Uh, Screen Actors. Yeah, the Screen Actors Guild. And she went to him to try to, you know, figure out because she she wasn't a communist. They wanted to figure out she was very liberal at the time. Um, in fact, a lot of people don't realize that Republican uh, Ronald Reagan was actually a very liberal actor, uh, head of the Screen Actors Guild at one time. Um, and she went to him to try to figure out, you know, how she ended up on this list. And well, as they say, the rest is history. Um, so, okay, okay, we've, we've spent enough time on this. Let's get moving on. As everybody has probably figured out by now, Al Seeger, uh, my three-peat, three-peat, three-peat uh, guest is on. Now, I didn't guess what Al was going to talk about last week because, well, Al is the guy who edits all my podcasts. So I decided that instead of giving him a chance to figure out 
what I was talking about and changed his mind, so my streak goes to 0 and 11. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to spring it on him, and then he won't have time to uh, change topics. So here's my guess, Al. Are you ready? I'm ready. Lay it on okay, me, man. Okay, so since this drops on October 28th, I figured you're big into gaming. We haven't talked gaming yet. This is the third time, so I'm thinking we're talking horror in gaming. Actually, you're not that far off. But is it close enough um, to say correct? Well, I was actually, it's kind of funny before you mentioned in uh, your Welcome to My Mind Mirror, you were talking about Halloween because that's actually what I wanted to talk about for this week. Okay. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, horror, you're not, you know, you're. it's not, it's related to the topic. So I don't know. Can we? Well, let's be, do the episode. We, let's make that call at the end of our talk. How about that? Okay. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about how, I mean, Halloween because originally I was thinking of doing a more political topic, but then when I found out, okay, this episode is going to drop uh, right around Halloween, mm-hmm. by that time, we're all probably going to be sick to death of hearing about the election and, you know, Donald Trump's taxes and Hillary Clinton's emails and all the other things uh, flying around out there. So let's talk about something that I think most of us can agree is awesome and, you know, brings back a lot of positive memories and just makes us feel good. And that's Halloween. And we could almost, I mean, I don't know where we're going to go with this because I I think for some people, they, October is kind of that start of the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just in a store. I'm not going to name it because it does not deserve to have any sort of publicity, good or bad for me. But Christmas is out. Yep. I know it's because, and the reason I say it's a holiday season, because, you know, usually, uh, you know, around uh, late August, September, that's when we start to see the Halloween stuff. And then, you know, once upon a time, it used to be that you didn't start to see the, you know, the Christmas stuff until like about mid-November, but nowadays it's like, you know, you could be going in a store in early October and there's the Halloween display and 10 feet down, hey, there's the Christmas and display. It's like a big fat ass in my Halloween outfit. Exactly. And um, I know there was this one cartoon I saw, or just a little uh, comic someone made. It had a picture of a witch and uh, a, a turkey screaming at Santa Claus it's it's only October. Wait, your turn. Yeah, you know, and, it, and as far as that goes, let's get this whole part of the topic out of the way. As far as that goes, I think it's ridiculous. It's is obviously a money making scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I remember as a kid, yeah, maybe a little bit of Christmas would sneak out in the middle of November, but really, I mean, nobody made that push until Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Yep. That's when you went in. Well, of course, you know, everybody used to be closed on Thanksgiving, too. But you would go in, you know, people would work on Thanksgiving, but they weren't open to the public. And you would go in on on Friday and Santa was there. You know, that's when you first saw Santa. That was when you first saw, you know, maybe everything except like the Christmas trees. The Christmas trees would go up in mid-November, you know, in the back corner of of the store. But it wasn't... This, you know, we're not even to the middle of October and, and, and there's Christmas in the stores and it, and it irritates me. And, um, I just saw, I think it was Macy's 
I want to say it was Macy's. They put a big ad out on the internet that they are not doing, they're not touching Christmas until the day after Thanksgiving this year. Wow. And, you know, when you talk about Black Friday, uh, when I was in high school, I worked at Sears. Now, I worked in the paint department, so we really didn't get too much action on, you know, Black Friday. But, yeah, it's different because back then, I mean, the hours, we were open from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. on Black Friday. So, essentially, it was just you know, two hour, an extra couple hours, no big deal. Right. But, and I remember cause I actually volunteered to work the entire day. I never did that again, but <laughs> you know, and, but yeah, nowadays it's like, even if a store is deciding to remain closed on Thanksgiving day, it's not unusual for them to open uh, at four or five in the morning on Friday, midnight even. Yeah, and I I know this is an entirely different topic. There's a whole thing about, well, should retail stores, you know, should they let their, you know, their employees have that day with their family or, you know, let, should we start opening the stores at five o'clock on, on Thanksgiving day? But yeah. let's not get into that topic right now. Let's, because like I said, I want to talk about Halloween. All right, let's talk I don't Halloween. know about, I, personally, my favorite holiday. Um. I'm a big fan of Halloween, um, as it sounds like you are. So what is it about Halloween, Al, that makes you kind of sit up a little straighter and and be a little happier and, and, you know, what makes you enjoy that that holiday? Okay. Well, for me, I think it really goes back to – there's a couple of things. I mean, my birthday is in October. Actually, we're recording this on my birthday right now. Oh, happy birthday, Al. Well, well, thank you. Um, but yeah, because uh, October, you know, it's always held special memories for me because that's when my birthday was. And then, you know, usually the weather's pleasant where most days it's warm enough where you can get by with just jeans and a light jacket. We're not quite to the point where, uh, you know, you have to start putting on the layers like you will in like, you know, December, November. Right. But, you know, the weather's usually very mild, very pleasant. You've got the colors in the trees. So just something about the, you know, the, the, you know, the, just the, the colors, the reds, the oranges, the yellows that the leaves turn to. And call me crazy, but one of my favorite scents, burning leaves. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I like the smell of anything burning, honestly, but leaves are nice. You know, spring, what, what I like about spring is the smell of that first grass cut, you know, that first time you mow the lawn. Oh, yeah. Love that smell. Summer, what's the smell you love? I personally, for summer, I love it when you can smell a storm coming in. You know, you get that smell on the air of, you know, storms coming. You can feel it in the air. I like that. When it comes to fall, it's the smell of the leaves as they as they lay on the ground. The smell of, you know, you put a pile together and you and you fire them up. Um, you know, and towards the end of fall, you get that first smell of winter, you know, before winter actually gets here, you get that, that smell. You like, you stand outside and you're like, Ooh, you can smell the cold coming, you know, and it it might still be a week away or two weeks away, but it's that, that, you know, and as much as I hate winter, I love that portion of fall. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, like I said, I've always loved October because it was my birthday and then Halloween and then also it's my son's birthday, also my wedding anniversary. So yeah, October's gotten to be a fairly busy month for me. Um, but again, going back to when I was a kid, it's just because it was fun. You know, you had the Halloween parties in school and, you know, on, on TV, you know, you, you even today, they you know, everyone's going to have their Halloween episodes, you know, whether it's your sitcoms that you watch or your, your cartoons. And then of course there were the animated specials. Like I have a feeling where we probably are going to uh, be thinking along the same lines here, but what is your favorite Halloween special cartoon? So one that you only see around Halloween Ooh, cartoon. What about claymation? Does that count? Sure. We can count. All that. right. The nightmare before Christmas. Hmm. It, uh, I didn't really consider that a Halloween I, movie because I, I always thought, okay, it's Christmas in the title, and I haven't seen the movie. So okay, I'm, well, I'm it takes familiar. place in Halloween Town. Okay, and then um, it is it's it's um, Jack uh, Jack Skeleton. He wants to know about more than just Halloween, so he seeks out other holidays, and Christmas is the one. You know, he finds Christmas Town and whatnot, but it really. It's all about these Halloween guys then trying to get Jack back because he really enjoys Christmas. It's it's kind of one of those I would call it. It could you could pass it off as a Christmas movie. You could also pass it off as a Halloween movie. Um, but as far as animated, I mean, there's always the Charlie Brown ones. You know, it's a it's a it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. That's probably if we go strictly cartoon and strictly Halloween. That's that's probably it for me. And you? Uh, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah. So that's my one that, you know, even though I see it almost every year, it, it never gets old for me. Another one that I haven't seen in a long, long time, but remember when they had the Garfield the Cat cartoons? Yes. They, had, they did have a, a Halloween Garfield where um, it was a story of Odie and Garfield trick-or-treating and they somehow get to this... Um, this treasure that was guarded by these ghost pirates. So that was another one of my favorites. And then, and really just like, you know, a lot of your cartoon series and sitcoms, they'll also do their, you know, their Halloween specials as well. Yeah. I mean, how, uh, uh, tree, tree house of horror every year. Oh yes. That's another good one. I'm not a big Simpsons guy, but I watch the, the Halloween episode almost every year. Yeah. And the tree house of horror, I, I haven't seen it in a while. I've heard that the quality isn't quite as good as it used to be. But the one that I always remember, and I I think it may have been the first one, where they moved into that haunted house. And it was like, you know, it was trying to scare them away. But, you know, like the walls were dripping blood and Bart's like, hey, we own you now. You know, drip some blood. And um, the, you know, they basically, uh, Marge is like, well, we're going to have to you know, learn to live together. And the house is like, can you step outside where I, uh, so I can think about this. And then he, it implodes on itself once they leave. And Lisa's like, it chose to destroy itself rather than live with us. (laughs) You can't help but feel a little rejected. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I get you. And the one that I always liked about the, the Halloween, the, the, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah. I always loved the segments with Snoopy where it was kind of, you know, it it was like he was 
drifting back and forth between his fantasy and what was really happening in reality. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a couple of years, I'll be honest. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it's a great pumpkin or it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Um, but you know, all those all those peanuts, all of their different um specials are really well done. I mean, they're old, they're aged, but it does. It, it's it's a nostalgia thing. It takes you back to you know, when you were a kid, a simpler time. When I was a kid, man, that's I mean, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it was always about the specials that were coming out. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, even when you start getting to Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's still the same where, you know, like, yeah, we have uh, Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown, and we have uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Yep. Um, and, you know, of course, I think Garfield had a Christmas special yeah, as well. Yeah, he did. He did. I have never seen the Halloween one. I might have to go searching for that. Um, but I'm a huge Garfield fan, the, the comics, and I'm a big fan of lasagna too. And strangely enough, my wife's nickname for me is Garfield. So, yeah. And there's just a lot of other things that really just was, brings back these fond memories for me. Like, you know, you'd go sometimes like bonfires or, uh, hayrides, you know, so those those were always a lot of fun. And then, no, you know, no. there's certain... Go ahead. Okay, and then there's certain foods, of course, like, you know, the you know the apple cider and, of course, you know, more can- you could eat enough candy to make yourself sick for weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so trick-or-treating, of course, that was always one thing that was always so fun about uh, Halloween. Because remember back in the day where a lot of the costumes, especially for the kids... It was be have like that flimsy plastic mask. Yeah, it was. And then, it was a really poorly made pair of pajamas and a bad mask. Yeah, and like, <laughs> for example, I mean, you might have like you know like a Superman mask, and then the it was more of like a smock than a costume that you just kind of you know slipped your arms through and then had someone tie it up in the back. Yeah. Now, and then I, I don't know about you, but growing up in in the city where I grew up here in Wassa. You know, you almost always were in a winter jacket for Halloween. So those smock things were perfect because you would you would get dressed, you'd put on your big heavy jacket, and then your mom would put the smock on over it, and then you'd put your hat on, and then you'd put your mask on over the hat, you know. And I remember one year I was I was uh big into wrestling that year and I was bound and determined I was gonna go as Hulk Hogan, right? So I took an old yellow T-shirt, and my mom wrote Hulkamania on it, and we ripped the arms off and slit the back, you know, and then a pair of red uh, short, you know, those, like, tennis shorts, those red tennis shorts. I had a pair of those, and then my mom drew, a, you know, the, the mustache on me, you know, and and uh, I was bound to determine that I didn't care. I was going to go out trick-or-treating, and I wasn't going to wear my winter stuff under that, you know. I was just going to wear the shorts and the T-shirt, and go out. And I did. And I fought with my mother. And finally, she just kind of gave in. And I went out. We weren't but two blocks from home. And it started snowing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that reminds me. There's this email that uh, went out. And it's attributed to Jeff Foxworthy. But I doubt it is. It's, it's written in his same style. Because, you know, you've probably heard of his redneck test. You know, oh, yeah. you might be a redneck if, well, there is this one. You might be from Wisconsin if. Yep. 
and one of them was um uh one of them was uh you know, you design your Halloween costumes to fit over a snowmobile suit. And it's true. Now, I don't know how bad it was in in the Milwaukee area. I mean, you're four hours south of me, so. Usually, it wasn't that bad that I can remember. Sometimes it would be a little cool. But one of the things that was different from down there that I've noticed up here, and I don't know how they did this in Wausau, but what time... Did they do trick or treating, or when did they do it? Where when you were a kid? Well, it it kind of is. It's a little different up here because when I was when I was really little, um, you know, probably up till seven eight years old, they did it on Halloween, and it usually went from like four to eight, you know, something like that. And then it got to a point where they said, okay, it's it's four o'clock to six o'clock for this age group. And then six o'clock to, uh, you know, eight o'clock for this age group. And then we had a year where somebody, this rumor started that on Halloween night, this, this, this satanic cult, yep, and up here in Wausau, the satanic, the satanic cult was going to kidnap and kill some blonde girl. They didn't, you know, it didn't matter who it was. They were going to find a blonde girl. They were going to kidnap her and kill her and sacrifice her to Satan. That was the rumor that was going around. So then they went and and the city of Wausau went, nope, we're doing things. We're doing Halloween, you know, two days before or the day after. They put it on to a weekend, right? And then you started at 3 o'clock and went to like 6 o'clock. So it was still daylight. We always did it the weekend before Halloween, if Halloween felt on fell on a weekday, okay, and usually it was Sunday afternoon, uh, generally about two to five o'clock. So again, usually since it was in the afternoon, that's probably why I don't remember it ever being really really crummy. Usually it was fairly sunny, sometimes a bit cold, right. but a bit cool, but not really that bad, and. You know, one of the things that I always loved when I was a kid is not all of the the cities in, in the area did trick-or-treating on the same day or at the same time. I had a, cousins that lived in Grafton, okay. and they did their trick-or-treating on Saturday while we did ours on Sunday. So you know oh, what that you meant? Could, you could double dip. That's what that means. Oh, exactly. Yep. We'd go over to their house or, um, you know, and we trick or treat around there on Saturday. Then we'd, you know, of course come back and my sister and I would go trick or treating on, on Sunday. Right. But it was kind of strange for me when I moved up here where now it's like here, they do trick or treat on Halloween, no matter what day it is. And it's usually in the evening from about five o'clock until eight o'clock. So that took a little getting used to. And like I was saying, where, you know, they changed it to the weekend, you know, before Halloween based on that threat all those years ago. Now, about five years ago, it went back to Halloween. And, you know, kind of normal times, like four to seven, four to eight. I don't, I mean, I think Wass is like four to seven. And then you've got some of the smaller towns. Like I, li- I actually live in a, in a small city called Schofield, which is out, right outside Wassa. And I think ours is four to eight. So, you know, but it's, it, they, they kind of keep it all on the same schedule. So, you know, everybody does it on Halloween, 
Um, and similar time, somebody might get done an hour early, somebody might go an hour longer, but start an hour later. But for the most part, um, you know, it, it is what it is, but, uh, yeah. So I wonder if they did that intentionally so kids couldn't do that double dipping like we talked about before. <laughs> why would they care? No. I, I, I doubt it because I'm, I'm thinking, why would the government care? I mean, yeah. Well, and in your case there where, again, there was this rumor, I mean, I don't, do you remember, like, was it something that someone like said that they heard or something that? I, I don't remember. Um, but there was one year, I remember this quite clearly. Um, there had been rumors going around that somebody in the neighborhood was sticking razor blades into apples. Have you ever heard rumors yep. like that? I've heard of that urban legend. And that's another thing I like about Halloween is there are, you know, these urban legends that you usually hear about at that time of right. year. And of course, one of my favorites, I'm not sure if you've ever heard it. I have heard of the razor blade and the apple. Did you ever, now, were you ever in, much into going to the haunted houses? No, and I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> this is actually kind of a funny story. I was about eight years old. Now, I've never been big on, like, slasher movies, anything like that. They they disturb me to a certain degree. You, I mean, you should see some of the stuff I run in games, but, you know, watching a, a hacker a slasher movie where there's a ton of fake blood that's obviously fake kind of thing, especially when I was younger, really just bothered me. So I never did them, you know, and then I was about eight years old and the neighbor kids who used to, you know, always bug me until I did things, you know, one year they, they started like the beginning of October because they knew I'd never went to a haunted house and they're like, you got to go, you got to go. I'm like, I don't want to go. And they're like, you got to go. And then, you know, of course, you know, then it's, oh, you're just scared. You're just a baby. You're just, you know, this, that, and the next thing. So the next thing I know, my mouth is cashing a check that I really don't want it to. And I'm standing in line at the, you know, the JC's haunted house. And we go in and I got scared so bad. I mean, I was on the verge of tears when I left. So there I am, you know, and I go home and then my mom's like, oh, bedtime. And I'm like, you mean in the dark? You know, kind of thing. I was just, I was petrified to go to sleep. I, my bed when I was a kid was in the corner of the room. So, you know, there was two corners up into the corner of the room. For three nights in a row, I sat in the corner of my bed with my blankets over my head and I didn't sleep because I was so afraid. And get this, I was so afraid that Dracula was coming for me. Because whoever was playing the vampire, you know, was playing Dracula in the in the haunted house, scared me so bad that I thought he was coming for me, you know. And at that age, at the age of eight, you know, you're like, you're like vampires and ghosts and stuff. They're not real. But then in the back of your head, you're, you know, your your subconscious is going, oh, yes, they are. You know. So, yeah. And yeah, but the. The urban legend that I fondly remember from when I was a kid, the one about the haunted house that was so scary, no one's ever finished it. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's been, and I under, I was uh, reading this on Snopes, where, uh, Snopes.com, which for those who may not be aware, it's a site that talks about urban legends. And also whenever you have a picture going around like, 
you know, the Earth is about to run out of breathable oxygen, you know, they'll like either debunk that email or they'll, uh, if there's validity. But one of my favorite urban legends is that, like I said, that haunted house that's so scary no one has managed to finish it. And there have been a couple variations of the legend I've heard. Uh, Usually it costs a considerable amount of money to get in. The one I always hear is 50 bucks, but some versions say that there's like five floors and for each floor you make it through, you get 10 bucks back. So if you can get to the very end, you get, you'll get all your money back. In other variations, you only get your money back if you make it all the way through, but supposedly the, the exit route, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, in order to get to that, you'd have to do something insanely dangerous, like walk on this shaky little beam over like a 20-foot drop into a pit full of snakes or something oh, like that. Okay, so, okay. you know, but I always remember that one fondly, and there's been a couple places I've heard where supposedly it existed. Um, but yeah, I've heard of the the poison and the candy is another one which caused us to, you know, parents have to go and, you know, look through the candy to make sure it doesn't look like it's been tampered with. My mother went one step further. The year that we heard the razor blade thing, she actually took all of it. She wouldn't let us eat anything. We went trick-or-treating. She wouldn't let us eat anything. We went up to the hospital, and she had our candy x-rayed. Dude, they used to do that in, in uh, New Berlin, too. Yeah, and it, we weren't the only ones there. It was in, insane. Yeah, and, and fortunately, all that stuff is... uh you know, come out to be just you know uh, false. And when you were mentioning that, the there was this supposed rumor that a satanic cult was going to kidnap someone and you know sit, ritually sacrifice them. Right. And and again, we talked about when we were kids, we were we were living through the satanic panic. Oh yeah. And one, you know, of course, this is when role playing games, especially Dungeons and Dragons, was receiving a lot of negative press, which in some in some regards, it actually helped it. I remember when Gary Gygax was talking about it at a game convention I saw him at, and I think it was like 2005, he was mentioning he heard about this one town where they banned Dungeons & Dragons, selling it. Oh, okay. And as a result, you couldn't find a copy of Dungeons & Dragons anywhere within like 20 miles of the city because the kids from the city would go, they would just drive somewhere else and get it. Right. But... I know there's this other one that, you know, supposedly every Halloween, um, you know, Satanists will go out and they'll, uh, this was a, a TV evangelist I heard say this, that, you know, they go out and they always kidnap some homeless guy, someone who won't be missed and they sacrifice him. But it's like, okay, first of all, homeless people can be hard to keep track of. And second, if he's no one, if he's someone no one will miss, how do they know they're doing this? Right. And yeah. And eventually people started taking a more serious look at that. And it's like, you know, okay, where are the bodies? How come if there is supposedly this satanic rampage around Halloween where, you know, the Satanists are going out and kidnapping homeless people and killing them, how come we don't see lots of newspaper stories saying that? There's another you know, police find. <laughs> yeah. And another one is supposedly uh, some animal shelters. They won't adopt black cats in October for that reason. Because, well, there's actually two reasons I heard about it. One of the legends says that 
for some reason, satanic cults are going to adopt these black cats and murder them. The other is that sometimes people will adapt, adopt a black cat and use it just as like a prop for a Halloween party and then abandon it. Right. And I don't know what reason they use, but the uh, shelters here will not adopt black cats during October. That's weird because, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where I've heard mixed things on where some people say, yeah, it's an, an urban legend. But, yeah, I guess apparently they do it at least one place they won't. <laughs> so I have a Halloween story for you. And actually this one before I'm going to preface this one by asking you a question, Al. Okay. What is your belief on ghosts? Hmm. Well, I haven't really had any experiences that I can definitively say make me believe that ghosts are real. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I, I, I suppose it's possible. It's just I haven't. I mean, if you talk about the existence of a soul and something beyond life, yes, I do believe in that. But um, as far as ghosts, like I said, I haven't really had a definitive experience that makes me firmly believe in that. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story here that happened to me years ago, and then and then we'll we'll revisit that question, at least at least in a in a uh, philosophical way. How about that? Okay, so. Nikki and I, my wife, um, we were just newlyweds, maybe, I don't know, maybe a year at the time, and we went to the Wisconsin Dells. And right on the main street of the Dells, if you know where I'm talking about, not the main street where all the water parks are, but the one where all the, the shops are, um, there was a haunted house right on the, you know, it was in a in a small building, and you went in, and it was a haunted house, you know, just like you would find at Halloween time. But this was middle of summer. And we were down there and uh, she goes, you want to do the haunted house? And I said, you know, I hadn't done one since I was eight. So I'm like, sure, why not? Let's do the haunted house, you know. So we pay our, our money and the guy at the, at the thing goes, no matter what, we don't do refunds. And I'm like, it's a stupid haunted house, you know. Okay, you don't do refunds. Great. So we pay, we get our tickets. And when you walked in. And the first thing you did was you took a right, you know, because that way they can they can bleed out as much light as possible to make the experience more intense, right? So we went in, turned to the right, and we started walking down this corridor. And there was still enough light. You could tell there was like a plexiglass window in front of you, you know, down the hall a little bit. And I kid you not, I feel something breathe on my neck, and I get pushed, okay? And I was done. You know, I wasn't expecting it. It caught me off guard. I'm like, I'm done. I turned around and I walked back out. And of course, Nikki followed me. And the guy was going to let us go back in. And I'm like, no, I'm not going back in. I said, I, I, you know, I'm just, I couldn't do it. So I didn't go back in. Now jump forward 10 years, 15 years, maybe even. And we stopped and we picked up a book called Haunted Places of Wisconsin, right? And we're reading about this um, old um, car, um, what do you call it, like an auto shop that was on that street in the Dells. And how somebody in there, um, in this auto shop, had been killed, uh, had been beaten to death with a wrench. And over the years, it had all these different shops in it, and they kind of went through the list of shops, you know, and they're like, and um, 
And even though they had, you know, they had said there was a haunted house in there at one time, no, you know, none of it made any sense until they said the way the ghost interacts with people is in, in a few ways. And one of them was you'll feel a hot breath on your neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is it, it will push people or trip people. And we were driving down the road because Nikki was reading them. We do that a lot. I'll drive. She'll read, you know, we'll, and, and, and I had to pull over because, I mean, it hit me like, holy shit. You know, was that a legitimate paranormal experience I had, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was. And we started talking about it. And she's like, you know, at first she was like, what are you talking about? And I was explaining to her. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, you know, to go all those all the way back to that and just be like, you know, holy, you know, it was it was it was a holy shit moment. So now I've over the years I've done I, I've I've went ghost hunting. I have done, you know, those kind of things. There's certain things I won't do. I won't touch a Ouija board. Don't ask. It's not gonna happen. Um but you know, I have gone ghost hunting and I've had experiences. Now whether or not they're paranormal or they're just me, my my mind taking over and saying, you know. This is happening because you're in a situation, and I don't care what anybody says, ghost hunting is a stressful situation, and you're going to be on edge. So any little thing is going to, you know, your mind's going to possibly try to make that connection because you're looking for it. But that is one experience I had where I went, I wasn't looking for anything. I was trying to prove to myself at the time that I could go through a haunted house without, you know, coming out crying. but. What's your take on that? Well, it is possible. I mean, maybe they, because you mentioned sometimes like feeling that breath. Maybe the people who set up that haunted house, because I know on downtown Wisconsin Dells, when I was a kid and we used to go there, I do remember seeing, you know, haunted houses set up in there. And maybe they knew about this whole legend about this guy who was beaten with a wrench. So maybe they put like some little effect in there that would just blow a puff of neck, every, you know, puff of air every now and then that might hitch in the back of the neck right? to kind of feed into that. Um, now, when you mention about, you know, the it, trying to do ghost hunting right. and you think that, you know, you're, you're feeling something where you, I, I think you are right where, if you now were you doing this in a place where you had permission to be at? Yes. Or were you, Yep, we were what? it was it's actually an old theater here in Wausau. Um it's not a theater anymore. Now it's actually a, a church, <laughs> believe it or not. Um but um yes, we had permission. I was part of I was actually part of a paranormal um investigation group um for about a year. Um, that was my, the, the, the place where I'm talking about was my last investigation. Um, but, um, you know, I, I be that as it may, you know, it, it, it's stressful. It doesn't matter where you're doing it. I had, I've done investigations in homes. I've done investigations in theaters. I've done investigations, you know, um, in schools actually. And, and you're always on edge. But when I was at that theater, I had experiences that I had, I hadn't had at the home, you know, at the school, at any of those places. It shook me, you know, but then again, now that I look back on it, you know, a few years later, 
I go, you know, it's an intense situation. I think to some extent your mind can play tricks on you where if you're expecting it, it, that's how you're going to see it. But one other thing, um, have you ever watched Ghost Hunters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I do like about when I watch that show, I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time because we don't have cable anymore, but one of the things they'd always try to do is if they did have a paranormal experience, they would try to debunk it. Right. And one episode I remember they were investigating like a hotel and there was this one room where people swore was haunted. And when they, you know, were investigating it, they noticed there was a ceiling fan and it's like, you know, people would get this feeling there when that they weren't alone. And then they realized that, okay, it had to do with the settings on the ceiling fan where, if it was, and and I guess it's like if it was. Um, yep, I remember this one. If it was on low, it wouldn't actually spin, but it would it would emanate like the vibration from the motor. Yeah, yep. it was something along that lines. Where, like I said, if they're uh, electrical currents, I guess if you can't, um, you know, they give off some sort of vibration that can give you that feeling of not being alone. Right. Um. So. Yeah, and uh, now that I think about it, there were a couple episodes I've seen where they did have some stuff, which it's like, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and I, like I said, did they you, do try to debunk it. Yes, they always try to debunk it. And and that's actually the one thing that really makes, you know, I also like, have you ever seen Ghost Adventures? Yes, I have. Now, oh, my wife and I that one is actually horrible. did it. I mean, it's great for entertainment value. But I believe almost zero of what they hand you. Yeah, because my wife and I actually did an episode of uh, about paranormal investigation shows. Oh boy, it's been so far back. I don't even remember what episode it was. It was, was. early on because I, I remember listening to it. I I, I kind of went through your backlog and picked and choosed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because it would be like their yeah ghost hunters, they tried to keep it a more. Uh, you know, a professional level, but Ghost Adventures like, you want to come f- with me, Ghost? Come, you know, you know, come on, I'll yeah. take your shit. Come on, you know, try to fucking push me. Yeah, you know, stand at the top of the steps and then threaten the ghost that pushes people down the steps. Exactly. Now, That's I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's entertainment value. I, I watch them for the entertainment value. I watch yeah. Ghost Hunters and I go when they bring up a piece of evidence and they go. Now, this isn't right. And then they go, did you see the episode um, the first time they did Eastern State Pencil or uh, Penitentiary? Yes. With- where there's this one hallway or something or this walkway where they're like a shadowy figure looks like it runs towards the camera and then, and then runs back. Yeah, and they tried to recreate that. They tried to do all kinds of things. Couldn't do it. And 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 as you watch it, you sit there. I mean, at one point, I'm like, it almost looked, you know, they turned and it almost looked like whatever was under the was under the the shroud or whatever you want to call it. To me, it looked like there was a pant leg with a tennis shoe, right? And they tried this. They had people under under a shroud like that trying to run. And you can't run in there and all this stuff. And to me, now that's that's a solid piece of evidence. I am a I am a skeptical believer in ghosts. I am not I don't think that 90% of what people consider ghosts are ghosts. I think it's overactive imagination. Yeah, and I agree with that too. I mean, it's kind of like with UFOs, uh, the same thing where 
I mean, I'm one of those people. I be, do I believe that there is intelligent life somewhere else out in there in the universe? Yes, I do. Do I believe that those extraterrestrials have made contact with us and that they're stealing cows and chickens from Farmer Bob? No, I, I don't believe that. I don't think that, and this is a whole topic altogether, but, you, you know, I mean, if there is intelligent life, I doubt that they're close enough where they could come and visit. And even if, you know, there are certain theories about why even if there was a super intelligent race that did discover evidence of intelligent life on another planet. There's theories as to why they wouldn't try to make contact. Right. But like I said, we're not going to get into that right now. And it's kind of the same way with UFO sightings. I think where most of the time, strange things in the sky can be explained. Oh yeah. I remember one time when I was back living in Oshkosh, I was taking a walk and I was walking by Lake Winnebago and I saw this like strange like reddish light near the horizon. And it took me a little while to figure out that it was actually because it was a crescent moon and it was a real slender one. Okay. And it was just hidden behind the, you know, the the other side of the lake just enough where I couldn't quite see it right away. But yeah, it's again, it's one of those things where it took me a moment or two to realize you know, no dumbass. That's not a UFO. That's just the moon. It's we we've been we've known about that for quite some time. Yeah, the new the moon's not a new discovery. Exactly. It's it's been around for a while. You know, and, and, and my my views on UFOs are slightly different than yours. And, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's a podcast we do on yours. It, it doesn't really fit into mine because some unless somebody were to bring the topic, you know. Yeah. But um, so getting back to Halloween, then. Um, yes, boy, we got off on it. Well, the ghosts halloween yeah it, it all ties together but now let's let's get back to the nostalgia of halloween though okay what is or was or what costume was the costume that you got that was the costume you wanted and to this day it's still like that was the best costume i ever had hmm well, that depends. Are you talking about back when I was a kid or... Just in general. In general? Lifetime. Well, last year when my son and I went out trick-or-treating, I did make a Viking costume that I, I, I did like, and I even had the historically inaccurate helm with the, the long horns. Oh, nice. Yes, I'm aware that if the Scandinavians did wear horned helms, it, they were ceremonial it definitely wasn't for battle. You know, they right. didn't wear those big helms like that. Right. Um, they would be in, in, incredibly impractical in combat. But um, there is, from like Bronze Age rock carvings and such, um, and I, I don't know if there's, and I think actually there might be some archaeological evidence that in some parts of ancient Scandinavia, they did have horned helms that were for, like I said, just ritual. They weren't like the, the stereotypical Viking helm that most people think about with the, like I said, the big old horns. So I liked that one a lot. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, for me, the costume, and actually I was a teenager and one year um, we did a lot of stuff with our neighbors. Uh, it, was, it was kind of funny because my, we had three boys the neighbors had three boys and a girl, and it was every other year. So they had a kid, then my mom had a kid, then they had a kid, and, I, and then I was born, and then they had a kid, and my little brother was born, and then they had a daughter. 
So it was six boys and one girl, but we were, you know, it was, it was seven years, but there was a kid born every year. So, you know, a lot of the same age, same interest, that kind of stuff. So one year when we were all teenagers, we decided we're going to go out as flashers. So we all, you know, scrounged up these long coats. We put on, we put on tennis shoes with these really, do you remember the old, uh, the white socks with the two colored lines at the top? We put on a pair of those. Each of us put on a pair of those and pulled them way up. And we went out in overcoats and tidy whities <laughs> And we would go up, we'd ring the doorbell, the people would come out, and we would flash them, quote, unquote, you know. And people loved it. Now, that would have been probably about 1991, 92. Imagine trying to do that today. Somebody would end up in jail. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, and I guess this is maybe one of the aspects of Halloween that um, is a little bit less appealing, where it's gotten to the, you know, it's like it used to be your traditional costumes would be stuff like wizard or witch, and now it's stuff like sexy wizard or sexy witch or, you know, sexy pirate. And and I've a friend of mine that does a, another podcast, they talked about it where... um you know, it seems that Halloween has kind of transitioned from being the kids' holiday to being more of an adult holiday. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I disagree with that. I think okay. it transitioned that way for us because that's what we see. I think there's two different Halloweens. I think there's the kids' Halloween, and then I think there's the adult Halloween. And now, you know, as being a red-blooded American guy, I don't really mind the sexy witch. Or the sexy wizard, <laughs> you know, but I get what you're saying. It, it's kind of lost. It's gone from a holiday of, you know, ghosts and goblins and that kind of stuff to kind of a whore's holiday when it gets to the adults in a way. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I said it doesn't necessarily bother me. But as long as those costumes are used in an appropriate venue, you know, it's yeah. not like, I mean, come on. I don't care how beautiful or attractive someone is. You know, if I'm going out trick-or-treating with my kid, I don't, he doesn't need to see your sexy witch costume where, you know, that leaves nothing to the imagination. Right. And I would, I would totally agree with that. If you want, if you want to be a sexy pumpkin or whatever at the bar, go for it. If my kid's teacher shows up in something like that, we're going to have issues. So do they, just out of curiosity in your area, do they still celebrate Halloween in, in the schools? They usually have dress-up day, but it's like every other holiday. They don't call it Halloween. They, you know, they all have dress-up day. At Christmas time, you know, they don't have, we no longer have Christmas break. It's holiday break. For some reason, they still call it Thanksgiving break, but... Maybe it's because it's a national holiday versus a religious holiday. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Um, but, I mean, they do do Halloween. It's it's not as big of a thing as it was when we were kids. I mean, because the week of Halloween when I was a kid, you could dress up every day. Teachers brought candy. Teachers brought, you know, they did special things. It was kind of, it was almost like the week leading up to Christmas, you know. Where there wasn't a whole lot of work that got done, but, you know, they made it fun. And that doesn't happen anymore. Now, like this year, Halloween's on a Monday. 
So they'll be able to dress up in costume if they want to. But that's it. That's all it's going to be. There's going to be some people running around the school in costume. Well, one thing that's interesting, though, you know what some do you know how Halloween as uh, we know it today, how it got started in America? I don't. I know its original roots started with um, Sanheim. Uh, so in. What's that? I know it looks like it. I know it looks like it's pronounced Sam Hain, and I know that there is a a punk band called uh, that they pronounce it Sam Hain, but I the way I've heard the word pronounced is usually Sowin or Sawin. Okay, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And at, actually, when it came over to America, the whole thing about the jack o' lantern that was from Irish immigrants who you know they had this tradition of carving faces into turnips and i mean are you familiar with the uh legend of um jack of the lantern i am not okay essentially it's it was a story again different variations but when you get down to it you've got a character named jack who he makes he tricks the devil into some kind of trap okay and he says he'll only let the devil go if he promises never to take his soul so uh, the devil agrees and eventually Jack dies. Well, after he dies, he, well, he had been kind of a jerk and a meanie during his life, so he couldn't get into heaven. Right. But when he got down to hell, the, you know, the devil kept his part of the bargain yeah, and he couldn't, couldn't, couldn't take him into hell. So he couldn't go to hell so, either. Yep. So they gave him a, a glowing lump of coal that he put in a turnip that he had with him and he carved a face in it to light his way. So... And like I said, there's different variations right. of the story. And, and, but... You know, and it's kind of funny because Sanheim, as I call it, uh, was a pagan holiday. It was then co-opted by the church into All Saints Eve and All and uh, All Saints Day. And then it was co-opted again by the candy companies into a pagan holiday again. <laughs> but, yeah, and um, again, back to the, the Irish, the reason that they... And the the reason that jack o' lanterns came into pumpkins is because well, um, when they came to the U.S., it's like they found that well the pumpkins they're a lot larger and a lot easier to work with. Also, uh, there was this reputation where, not necessarily a reputation, but uh, the you know usually like Halloween, October thirtieth or October thirty first. There was this tradition of going out and committing various acts of vandalism and various pranks. <laughs> so communities would actually organize these Halloween parties as a way to provide entertainment for urban youth so they wouldn't go out and cause trouble. So it was a deterrent to vandalism. Exactly. That's kind of, and, that's kind of a cool thing. Yep. So, yeah, just a little bit of a background around um, Halloween. And, of course, there's... Again, probably not going to get into it now, but there's lots of misinformation about it out there. But um, when you talk about though the you know the whole thing with uh, you know the pagan holiday and such, okay, you're I know you're not really a horror movie guy, right? No, but I've seen a good number of them. Have you ever seen any of the Halloween series? Ah, uh, yes, I saw the original Halloween, and that was plenty. Yeah, because the thing is, if you've Take a look at the plots of most of them. They all have, most of them have Michael Myers as the central character. Right. But season, but number three, which is called Season of the Witch, 
is entirely different. And I actually really enjoyed that one. And the reason it's different is because John Carpenter's original idea is that the Halloween series was going to be an anthology of movies, each one having the central theme of a scary story that takes place around Halloween. Okay. okay. But um, when after season of the witch, I guess it didn't really do as well as the previous two. Then it became just kind of this generic slasher series with Michael Myers. Now, did did the original director did he direct Halloween two thousand or whatever it was? I'm not sure. H two O. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure offhand if he's the one who directed it. Okay. But, and I said that's I I know Halloween three. It's more of like a cult film because I said it was pretty much panned at its um, when it first came out, but fans have come to appreciate it a bit more. Yeah. So 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 then next question: What is your favorite Halloween movie of all? It can be animated. It can be live action. It can be whatever. What is what's that one Halloween movie that? you really like that you'll watch when it's not Halloween. Hmm. Honestly, I would, I would probably have to say a uh, great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I mean, it's uh, cause like I said, I, I haven't seen with the exception of a couple of the Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've really seen many movies that, cause I, I guess the way I see it, I would differentiate between horror movies and movies about Halloween. Oh yeah. Just I, like I agree. Can, yeah, because just like we can kind of hold go into the whole Christmas movie thing, because some people I know jokingly refer to Die Hard as a Christmas movie because it takes place around Christmas. Right. So. And my wife will argue with you that a Christmas story is not a Christmas movie. Oh, really? Why is that? Uh, because she doesn't like it. Okay. No, I, I don't. Because she she's kind of like what you said with uh, with um, uh, Lee or. Uh, what was the movie you just talked about? Nightmare. Oh, uh, Halloween's three season of the no, witch. The, just the last one. Uh, the one that happens at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie. So that's her whole theory is it's a movie that happens around Christmas, but it's not about Christmas, you know, because it's this little kid's journey through bullies and this, that, and the next thing. So Christmas is just a portion of the, you know, it's, it's a, it's a plot point of the movie, but it's not, what the movie is about that that's her argument yeah and i don't know if you consider the crow to be a halloween movie because that kind of you know the whole murders happened around halloween <laughs> yeah you know and the two main characters that were murdered they were satanists were they not i don't think so or were they just big i mean in I know halloween that... what's that? Or were they just big in the halloween i don't even th- think they really said that they were big in the halloween it's just that um the character that Brandon Lee plays when he played in a rock band and that he just had that facial makeup as part of his stage oh, okay. gimmick, I think. Okay. But I remember them being killed on devil's. It's like they were married on hollow devil's night and then got killed the next yeah. day or something so like, like that. Or, well, maybe they, maybe it was a few years later. Yeah. I don't remember, but now, now for me, the movie that the Halloween movie that I absolutely love and it's, it's kind of janky because it's, it's a Halloween movie, but it's in no way is it really scary or anything. But Hocus Pocus. Have you ever seen Hocus Pocus? I may have seen like bits and pieces it's got, of it. It's but... got uh, Bette Midler in it. It's got, um, oh, what is her name? Uh, Jessica 
Parker, Jessica Sarah Parker, Sarah, Je- Sarah, Sarah, Jessica, Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. And then it's got, and I, and I, I hate to describe her this way, but I can't think of her name. She's the heavyset girl that was in um, sister act. I don't know what her name is, but she's, she's an amazing singer and she's an amazing actress. Drawn a blank. Yeah. yeah. But the three of them are three witches and they're the Sanderson sisters. And the movie opens up back in the 1700s and they're caught stealing the souls of little children. And so they're hung, you know, they're, and then they uh, put a curse on the, on the area that, you know, says, you know, they, they, if a virgin lights a black candle, then they come back, you know, if they do it on Halloween night and then they come back, you know, and so of course, you know, fast forward to 1995 or whatever the movie was made in and along comes this kid who doesn't believe in Halloween and all this kind of stuff. And he's trying to impress this girl. So he lights the black candle and of course he's a virgin. So, you know, and then it's just, it's really a a comedy that's kind of, they didn't specify whether the virgin had to be male or female, huh? No, no, just the virgin. (laughs) So anyway, but it's a really cute movie. I recommend with, with Halloween coming up that if you get a chance, check it out. It's, um, how old's your son? Uh, he's 10 and actually he'll be 11 soon. Okay. So what I would say is check it out, but I'm, it's something you could probably watch with him. Um, so anyway, I think, uh, we've kind of talked Halloween into a, uh, into a hole here. So, um, <laughs> I want to thank you, Al. I'm going to hey, move on you. to, uh, the email bag. So it was brought to my attention after, um, episode nine that I keep asking people to email me. And never giving them the email address. So um, maybe that's why we're not getting any email, Al. I'm, I'm thinking that, that might be something it. to do with it. I am not the brightest bulb on the planet, but that might have something to do yeah, with it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I have started, I, I think you've probably noticed in the last couple episodes of adding the email into the description. And I'm going to do something really odd here. I'm going to give you the email right now. So if you want to email us, you can email us at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com. And this will be in the uh, the little notes there. So if uh, you can't figure out exactly what I'm saying, because it is kind of a clunky email now that I look at it. But, uh, you know, you can click on the link, send us a message. Um, and this would be the portion of the show where I would read said messages. So. Um, hopefully now I will remember in every episode to give the email and to also put it in the show notes and, you know, life will be happy. So segment five, uh, that's the teaser. This is where I talk about who's coming on next week. Next week, I have a very old friend of mine. Um, I believe I met her in uh, first or second grade. Uh, we uh, went to school all the way from that point up through high school. And then she went off to college. We kind of lost touch about, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe now. I ran into her again. Um, her name is Tracy Lambrecht. She has since, uh, uh, she's got uh, a lot of kids. Uh, I, I say a lot of kids. She doesn't really. She's got four kids. Um, but I got a feeling that we're going to be talking about children. Um, she's been married a couple times. So she has one daughter who is just about 18 years old. And then her next child is, I want to say, six. <laughs> so 
Um, I, I think there might be some interesting stories there. So that's what my official guess is that we're going to talk about her kids. Um, and now the part where you get to play, Al. It is quote of the week. So this is where I read a quote. In this fit, in this case, actually, I'm going to make it easy on you, Al. I'm reading two quotes because I like them both. Then you're going to try to guess and see if you can figure out who uh, who said these quotes. So let's get right. Let's get at it. So the first one is. Success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. And the second one is, if you can't make it good, at least make it look good. Hmm. I'm guessing the first one, that sounds like something that like uh, Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens would have said. Okay. Well, they're both the same person, so. Okay. Um, I'll go with Mark Twain. It's a good guess, but no, it's incorrect. It was actually, both of those were said by Bill Gates, who uh, turned 61 on October 28th. I honestly thought he was older than that, um, but he will be uh, 61 on October 28th. He is, if for people who don't know, he is a Microsoft billionaire and a philanthropist. Philanthrop- He's really charitable. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Al. So, yeah, and, and, and I know, I mean, I hear Occasionally, you'll hear people, you know, talk about Bill Gates. Oh, he's just this rich guy. But it's like, you know, some you, some people might actually be surprised to know that he actually does a lot of philanthropy or a lot of charitable oh, work. Oh, he does. So. I mean, the the Bill and and uh, Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, he does a lot of stuff in Africa. I know. But yeah, so you know, it's October twenty eighth. Everybody wish Mr. Gates a uh, a happy sixty first birthday. And if you're listening, Mr. Gates, keep up the good work. And, with that. Yes, and, and Mr. Gates, if you like the show, you know, you can, uh, you know, I've, you, you can certainly, uh, you know, pay for my podcasting fees. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, just kidding. yeah exactly. You so could. A few bucks a month, Mr. Gates. It's not going to, it's not going to break you. So with that, I'm going to say uh, good night. Thank you, Al. We will talk again, I am sure. So uh, good night, everyone.